I just uh, I just texted Casey Corum during the worship, and I said, these guys rock. And he goes, I know that. <laughs> so he's the guy that he was talking about over Vineyard Music, one of the guys. So you guys have got a reputation. That's really cool. Um, really quick, uh, before we get into too far stuff, again, just to explain some of this stuff back at the table for you. Um, we've got, I, I, I did a teaching um, we're talking about uh, last night and, and today how that, uh, how that uh, um, doubt is not a disqualifier in doing this. I did a, a two, um, two-part teaching called Undoing Unbelief. And this is uh, just talking about how to sort of dismantle unbelief in your life. Uh, part of that uh, is just being around it. You know, just being around it. Ray, we were talking about uh, their experience of, of and our, my, I don't think, I don't know if I showed my experience about uh, going to Toronto, Canada and some of the revival stuff that was happening in that time in the vineyard. And, and it was like just hearing that and just hearing how that, that sort of unbelief was dismantled, you know, and just sort of, di- you know, just taken apart in our lives. And that's so true, you know, just how that happens. But we have this uh, for you, if you're, if, or if you know anybody, that that would be helpful too. It's a great resource. Also, I did a teaching called mouth management. Now, I know immediately you're thinking, I know so many people who need that. Um, then this is probably for you, <laughs> personally. No, uh, really, mouth management is talking about how powerful the words that we have to say, how that we need to guard them, how much uh, gossip, how much... Uh, saying things that can really damage and deplete power. You know, we were talking earlier today about power depleters and, and last night too, and things that deplete power in our life. And this is one of them, and just sort of guarding how to guard the tongue, how to guard, you know, from saying things that just deplete power in our lives. And so uh, we've got that back there. Oops. And then um, also at our national co- – oh, let me share this one first. We did a, um, I did a teaching at the Boise Vineyard. We, uh, I don't know if we still have any sets of the Boise uh, conference left uh, or not, but there, we did a, I did a, yeah, I think there, I see him back there, but we did a teaching included in one of those teachings is um, a talk that I did on the whole armor of God called Playgrounds or Battlefields. And basically, it's talking about how that we in the church, we can either um, sort of create atmospheres that are more playgrounds or we can create atmospheres that are battlefields. If you're going to step into healing ministry, if you're going to step into greater levels of prophetic deliverance, power evangelism, you're going to set the atmosphere for battlefields. And so there's a choice. You can either lighten it and not be those power people, and if that's your choice, that's fine. But uh, but or we can engage in what you know we're really made for, and that's to be warriors of God and stepping into that. And that's what that talk. That's a DVD back there. And then also, Diane Lehman did a talk at our national conference called It's Time to Let the Kids Out of the Car Seats. And it was a, she's a grandma, so it's kind of a crazy talk for a grandma to give. But basically what she was saying is, is that um, we've got to get to where we give permission in the church for more risk. And we've got to not play it safe. We've got to be people that kind of step out. And her talk was about using the power of the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ and that we've got we've to sort of take the gloves off on risk-taking and start, you know, moving out in that. Her three kids got up and shared stories. Two, her two sons, two of her sons, uh, she has four, but two of her sons 
uh, have, uh, you know, both are football players. One of them is a professional football player. His name is Jay Lehman. Uh, but they got up. I had mentored these boys for a couple of years. And they got up and, and they were telling their stories of power, uh, of power evangelism and things that had happened. And, you know, and they had incredible experiences and uh, praying for people in wheelchairs at the mall and seeing them get out and see them, you know, walk, you know, uh, different things like that. But uh, their stories are in here. I had the privilege of doing the ministry time afterwards, and several people were texting me actually during the ministry time saying this is clearly a watershed moment for the vineyard. It was uh, felt very much like a, a tide turner of what was taking place, and, and it was very, very powerful. One of the most powerful ministry times we, I think we'd seen actually in a long time in the vineyard. It, there was 1,700 people there. When we gave the call for people who wanted to step up and re-embrace our heritage, our inheritance, if there was 100 people still in their seat, I would be shocked. I mean, there was that many people. I mean, you had you know, some of the top names of the vineyard rushing the stage, Rich Nathan, different other people just running, running to the front, Try Robinson. It was incredible to see. And so it was a really powerful you know, turning point. And then also another thing that I did at Boise Vineyard is that um, – my friend Jeremiah Carlson from uh, from the, a group called The Never Claim have done several worship albums with uh, Vineyard Music. They did a conference uh, there called Cultivation Generation. This is a, a, a vision that Jeremiah has had for uh, several years, and this was a youth conference there. I think we had, um, I think it was about 900 young people at this particular conference, and I uh, spoke twice, Tri Robinson spoke once, Jeremiah spoke once, and uh, we have these DVDs back there. You see lots of healings, see prophetic ministry, things like that that take place on there. And one more, bear with me. Uh, and then we did a, um, I did a, uh, uh, Vineyard Resources asked me to do a, a teaching on the kingdom of God from a, theor- from a practitioner's perspective. And somebody who was doing, who had the st- sort of the stories of a, of a practitioner and so a lot of, you know, a lot of people that are more, you know, uh, theologians and theoreticians, you know, had done um, books and different things on it. But um, so I did a eight, this is an eight CD teaching on the kingdom of God um, that we have back there if you're interested in that. And then could we show that trailer? This is the trailer from Furious Love. Again, I asked that last night. How many of you have seen Furious Love? Okay. Um, if you haven't, we, we've only got, thank you, man. We've only got a, f- a few copies back there. I think like about five copies or so. But this is a movie about going and doing, can you step to the side? Sorry. These people want to see, no, you don't. <laughs> Just joking. Uh, the, 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 we've done, uh, we've got, um, we have, uh, this is a movie about doing power evangelism in really dark atmospheres. And so it's really, really uh, an, an intense movie. Um, we've had several, I have thousands, well, okay, that's maybe an exaggeration. I got about, probably about 1,200 emails of young people that are just all over the world, um, who have seen this and, and just the impact that it's made on their lives have been just incredible, uh, testimonies throughout Australia and through just, I mean, literally I could go on and on with countries, Muslim countries of just how it's impacted them. And it's really a powerful movie and just, uh, relating, uh, you know, just God's power in really dark atmospheres. But if we could show that, um, just give you a little preview of what it's about. I've seen Satan. 
the powers of darkness rage blatantly here. I call it, you know, Disneyland for the spirit world. But because of that, then, the love of Christ rages even more. For a year and a half, I traveled the world to some of the darkest spiritual climates on the planet with one goal, to put God's love to the test. First of all, it's okay that you don't know something. And secondly, the real question is, how bad do you want to find out? The church for so long has her head in the sand. See no evil, hear no evil, <laughs> touch no evil, and we won't be evil, kind of, you know, I think is kind of the idea. And, and yet so much pain and so much suffering is going on all around that the church is, is not even aware of. I think we've made this relationship with God not about a relationship, but about meeting requirements. On Valentine's Day 2010, the revolution begins. William Booth said the founder of uh, the Salvation Army, Church, do something. And in this glimpse, like of a second, this little girl jumped through her skin and said, help me. And then the demon pulled her back. All right. Let's see where I'm going to start. I say, all right, I have sure. to ask you which God are you praying to? What God am I praying to? I'm praying to the God in heaven. Yeah, who's everywhere. But Jesus says, I'm the truth. Truth is not a teaching. Truth is a person. And again, you can pick those up at the back if you're uh, interested in that. I forgot to mention uh, these. We have uh, we have a um, sign-up sheet back here and at the table that if you'd like to give us your email address, we'll uh, send you, we send out a monthly newsletter that has video clips and testimonies of uh, stuff out on the streets, also stuff uh, happening uh, in the church. Um, If you would uh, like to sign up for that, you can see those. We've had a lot of people that have said that it's kept them really encouraged to keep, you know, going out and keeping, you know, praying for people and uh, ministering to people. And so if you'd like to sign up for that, we have those again at the table and then back at this desk thingy back there um, where the candles are on it. And then really quick, um, if, if you would be interested in partnering with us, I get invitations from all over the world on a regular basis. And most of them are, are places that don't have the money to be able to bring us there that uh, I'll be going uh, just in, uh, in, in uh, a week uh, is it a week? A week and a half. Uh, I'll be going to India for two weeks. Um, if you saw Father of Lights, uh, Ravi, the guy from India, he's a vineyard guy. Uh, he's a part of the Bangalore Vineyard. And I'll be going down to do a conference uh, with him down in Bangalore. And then also uh, doing a conference in Delhi and uh, Durham or something like that up in the north, up by Nepal. And uh, 
And so uh, we're uh, going to be doing that, and, and also we've got, uh, we'll be doing conferences uh, next year in um, Bolivia and in Argentina. I have requests to go to Chile and different places. I mean, I could go on and on. Pakistan, uh, China. I was in China last year. Matter of fact, I'll tell you the story about China here in a little bit. But these are just, th- this is our, our partnership card. If you're interested in just partnering with us, you feel like God's speaking to you to do that. The only way we can go is if we're sent, really. Because uh, we we don't you know don't don't have limited uh, unlimited resources and so um, if you would like to help us do that there's an option for you to do that uh, on a monthly basis or a one time basis anyway it, just if you're interested um, who went out today raise your hand who has some stories that you would like to tell and we want success and failure stories like miserable crash and burn stories. <laughs> Those are awesome. So if you if you if you ha- if you want to if you want to represent your team or you have some stuff, come on up here, come on up and form a line right here, on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, absolutely. More. <laughs> This you guys. Nah, this is not a vote of no confidence for you guys. But anybody else? Anybody else? Go out. Okay. All right. Come on. Don't be shy. Come on up. And you guys are way over there. <laughs> Nobody's gonna hear you if you're way over there. Step up here. Step over here, right in the middle. What's your name, sir? Harvey. Harvey. Tell us what went. What happened? Uh, well, first one was uh, at lunchtime when uh, we went out to eat. We went to a place called Creekside. Everybody familiar with that from around here? Creekside. Okay. And uh, we were just sitting there when we were finished our meal and decided that, you know, well, you know, let's, let's see what, you know, comes up, you know. So uh, I said, well, I happened to notice that there was a young lady that was taking care of the buffet. And usually if you take care of the buffet, you don't get tipped, you know. Right. Yeah. And uh, so we thought, well, you know, we'll bless her, you know. So when we got ready to leave, she was actually working the cash register. And... Uh, so God happened to tell me to look down at her feet, and she had these tiny little thin kind of sock shoes on with a sole on it about this thick. Mm. And God said, she's got her knees hurt, her back's hurt, everything, everything about this girl's hurting, I guarantee it, you know. So uh, when I got up to the cash register, I said, uh, I said uh, can I ask you a question? And she goes, yeah. I said, are your feet hurting? She goes, all the time. And I said, uh, okay. I said, uh, would you mind if we prayed for you and prayed for the healing of your feet? And she goes, no, not at all. And I said, well, is there anything else? He goes, yeah, my knee and my back. <laughs> so we prayed for her. And, it was kind of, you know, of course, it's kind of awkward, you know, because she's got to run the cash register phone and all this other stuff. But anyway, uh, we proceeded to pray for her. And uh, when, next thing you know, we, I, we, we prayed, you know, long enough, I guess. Uh, doesn't, doesn't take God long, you know. No, yeah. So anyway, uh, the phone rang, and I said, uh, "Do you have to get that phone?" She goes, "Yeah, I guess I better." So she turned around, she answered the phone, and and she hung the phone back up. And uh, customers came in, and she goes, "Don't go away. Wait right here." So she took the customers, seated them, and she came back. We said, "Well, how's it feeling?" She says, "Great. There's no pain." And I said, well, how much, I said, you know, awesome. I said, like, well, what was it like? Because we didn't, you know, take the time to say, you know, well. The what scale. Was, the yeah. scale, you know. And she goes, it hurt a lot. And she said, but I feel great. 
Praise God. So, so we plugged we plugged Vineyard for you guys. <laughs> awesome. Way to go. Yeah, way to go. Guys, do me a favor. Try to keep it to about a minute, minute and a half. Uh, of uh, not, not per story, but like of the total report, if you would. Uh, we went to the hospital, and uh, we prayed for... St- Are four- you from here? Yes. Oh, cool. What's your name? Joyce. Joyce. Sorry. Okay, we- go ahead. You sure? <laughs> we went to the hospital. We went to um, back towards the... Um, Intensive care. Gosh, okay. I need a hospital. And uh, <laughs> uh, we prayed for four nurses. They were at, back there at the station, and one of them was pregnant. One of them had a daughter that was sick. Wow. Uh, one of them said, oh, I'm all right, but my family, you know, pray for our family. The other lady had a hip. So we prayed for about, oh, three or four different times, and she said, okay. And she didn't want us to pray for anymore, so we left her alone. And then we went into a room, the intensive care dressing room, or the, not dressing room, Jesus. Um, the <laughs> yes, he was with you too. He was hey, on your yeah. team as well. Thanks for acknowledging him. That's yes. exactly right. Go ahead. Uh, waiting room right. for the intensive care, and we prayed with the family. There were probably eight members maybe. And we all prayed for them all together for their member was in an operation. And um, she's got some more. Very cool, man. Yeah, we had a blast. Oh, man. Listen to what she said. It was the most beautiful thing you ever saw in your life, her and the Holy Spirit. Wow. Let's hear it. Hi, my name is Miracle. And uh, it was just really. That's really really your name? It's my nickname, but pretty soon it's going to be my legal name. Awesome. I'm changing my name. Um, the last room we went into, uh, well, we stopped in a waiting room. There was a husband waiting for his wife, and uh, I started talking to him, and he had backslidden, and he did not want to accept Christ. Mm. He was very definite about that, but he says, you can pray for my wife. So he took us to the room, and uh, we prayed for her several times. She was very open to prayer, and the main thing that happened, her pain didn't go down that much. Um, but I kept praying because I remember John Wimber saying, you know, is there a sense of death in the room? And I, she was on life support, but I wasn't feeling death in the room. Mm. So um, uh, I asked her if she had accepted Christ. And so she told me how she had accepted Christ and been baptized and then redone that a few years ago. And so I asked her if she wanted to know about the Holy Spirit. And she said yes. And it was hard, a little hard for her to talk. She had a lot of edema. And we prayed for all those body issues, and none of them seemed to be getting better. But it was like, tell her about the Holy Spirit. And it was just so simple. And um, she just started speaking in tongues. (laughs) (laughs) And and she wasn't mimicking me. It was her own tongues. And then you would hear praise Jesus coming out. And then it was more tongues. And I just said, you know, talk to him every day. And she was smiling. And I said, I'll come back this week. And she was, she broke down and started crying a couple times. I don't think there's very much family going on. Mm, So, wow. Yeah. So it was really, it was, it was cool. It was really cool for me. Yes. Praise the Lord. Way to go. That's cool. Hi, I'm Adrian, And my team went out to the university and it was really hard at first and not very fun. And then, <laughs> and, uh, then we saw some, uh, some, some uh, Asian girls sitting at a table, and I knew one of them. And, and so 
we went up to them and started talking, and I just uh, shared the love of Jesus and then started talking about salvation. And they were really open and really interested in asking questions like, how did he come? What is Jesus a person? Like, so they didn't know hardly anything. And then Perfect. after a few minutes, uh, I just uh, said, do you, do you want Jesus in your heart? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I do. So, so we prayed, and, and they received the Lord, and they felt like they could feel him. I asked them, how do you feel? And they both could feel uh, thankfulness and love. So, yeah, and then I told them about uh, the vineyard and some girls on campus. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to give any lame golf claps for those kinds of things. Those are like, way to go, man! That's so cool. Uh, my name's Garrett, and uh, me and Dusty went to Kroger, and uh, well, we, we prayed for a few people, but Dusty started uh, feeling like a tightness in his left knee. So we're walking around, and neither of us were very good about going up to people because we were really nervous. I'll just be honest. And uh, so we see this lady, and she's limping, and I look for her at Dusty. I was like, this is it, man. And uh, so we go up, and Dusty's like, is there anything we can pray for you about? Do you have any pain? And she goes, no. He goes, does your left knee hurt? And she goes, oh, yeah. Like, so we, uh, so we prayed for her knee, and uh, her, yeah, it was awesome. Her pain level went down uh, to zero, so that was cool, and she's all moving it and come stuff. On, come yeah. on, come on, come on, come on. Let me, let me, let me, let me, if you don't celebrate it, you won't keep it. I mean, celebration of it is, it, it, Bill uh, Johnson in his book, uh, Hosting the Holy, Holy, Hosting the Presence, really talks about that. So you really want to celebrate it, so, dude, you rock. <laughs> Uh, I have a failure one, too. Uh, yeah, let's hear it. Yes, okay. please. No, please. We well, gotta get some good um, we uh, were walking out of Kroger, and we were going to go someplace else, and I thought, you know, there might be some desperate people at the Dollar General store, so <laughs> we went that direction. And uh, and my my right knee started to hurt, and I was like, I didn't tell Dusty because I, my knees just hurt sometimes. I just thought it was just me. So we got in the car, and we go over there, and then these ladies pull up to a handicapped spot, and they get out. And I was like, all right, but I bet her knee hurts. So we go over, and she had had a total knee replacement to her right knee. So I was like, okay, like recently. So we prayed for her, and she had a friend who had lower back pain. Well, the lady with the knee uh, got better, didn't get 100%, but she was like, you know, really feeling it. She was liking it, and she did get better. The lady with the back was just like, no, it's not better. It's good, though. Thanks. But that was, yeah, okay. Way to go, man. Awesome. See, every time, every time there's successes because we obeyed him. So there's no real failure, really. Every time there's, there's success because we followed through and obeyed it. What's your name? Summer. Summer? Yes. Here, step up here if you okay. would. Okay. Okay, I'm Summer. Um, we went to Walmart, and we had... <laughs> so they need to hear you. Okay. They need to hear you. I all promise all I'm right. not going to hit you okay. in the mouth. I promise. <laughs> step over here, though, just a little bit more so okay. they can just hear um, well, it was really kind of awkward. We prayed before, and we got a lot of words. And, like, I was going around looking for this girl with – I just saw a girl with, like, a mother with a little girl. And I was, like, looking for her. But, really, we were just kind of walking around and just 
oh, let's just pray for that person. And it, I felt stupid. Like, I was just like, this is dumb. I hate this. And so <laughs> I really did. Like, I was getting really frustrated. And we went up to a girl, and I was like, I think we should pray for her because her shirt is purple, and I love purple. So <laughs> I go up to her, and I'm like, hey, you know, we're praying for people. Just I don't remember what I said. And she was like, I have a religion of my own. Thanks. And just walked away. And I was like, I'm done. Like, just whatever. And... <laughs> So halfway through, we switched, like, we switched partners, and I'm, like, looking for this girl. Like, there's this girl that I know I had to pray for, and I finally saw her in the aisle, and I was just like, all right, all day I had been getting this look, like, why do you want to pray for me kind of thing, and she gave us the same look, and I was just like, please don't reject us, and she said, that's really weird that you came up. I actually just got out of the hospital. I had a cyst that had ruptured, and I was like, whoa, okay. And so I asked her what her name was, and it was April, and I said, oh, that's cool. My name is Summer, and she was like, I almost named my daughter that, and I was actually going to ask if you would pray for her. And so I didn't really know what it was, but I asked the little girl to, like, touch. I thought it was her mom. She's like, it's not my mom, but I'll touch her or whatever. So you're like, (laughs) she hugged her, and we were, (laughs) I mean, she was with her, but it wasn't her mom. And um, anyways, we prayed for her, and I just, like, I asked, I kind of felt like she was really frustrated with her daughter. I got, I don't, she didn't tell us what she was praying for, and I was just like, I just pray that peace would come on you, and she just, like, I felt really, like, she got really, really warm, and she just smiled, and the little girl was just like, I don't know, she, they were just like, the atmosphere changed, I guess, what you mm. guys were talking about, and there was just this joy, and she like, just walked away, and it was really good, because when I, when I had first saw her, I actually approached her, and I was like, are you busy, and she was like, yeah, kind of, and I was like, well, can I pray for you anyways, and she was like, yeah, but after that, it was good, and then we prayed for a girl in the parking lot, because we just decided to go out there, and she had a boot on, and she broke her foot, because she tripped over a dog, and like a, then, like a, like a medical boot? Yes. Okay. And we prayed for her, and Could have been cowboy boots, huh? it was, it went from a 10 and then to a seven, and then just at the end, she said, I didn't think I was going to be able to walk for the rest of the day, but I think I can go the whole day. So, Wow. Now, let me ask you. As frustrated as you were to start off with, would you go do this again? I would. <laughs> I might not just pick random people. I might actually ask, like, ask the Lord, like, who do you want me to pray for? Because it was really very just, like, shoot and miss all the time, and I was really frustrated. But Okay. Well, yeah. you'll, but you'll keep doing it. Yeah, That's yeah. good. Way to go. Awesome. I'm Andrew, um, and yeah, hey, uh, yeah. Me and Cornell, we went to the Kroger on Broadway, and we pretty much just hung out in the parking lot and helped people put uh, their groceries in their cars, and we asked them to pray for. And one family, we were talking to him. And the guy just said he needed prayer for uh, his family. He said there's something going on. I don't know. We we're like, okay, is he hurt? And he like. Really wouldn't say anything, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I was in an accident a month ago, and my back still hurts. And I was like, okay, can we pray for that? And we prayed, and he, he made it sound like no big deal, just kind of very, just a little bit of pain. But then after we prayed for him, we are like, well, if it was a 10, how's it now? He's like, oh, about a 2. And then he just starts, like, bending down, touching his toes, and his wife's just like, he wasn't able to do that before. And then we're like, well, if it's a 2, we'll pray again. And so then we prayed again, and it went down to zero. And then he starts doing, like, dips. And then she's like, <laughs> I think she said he was never able to do that before. <laughs> uh, and then, Come on! <laughs> Man! 
And then... Ow! Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we found I went too far right there. But <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we found some, someone was having car trouble. Like, they were just pouring water into the radiator. Mm-hmm. And we went up, okay, Robbie's talking about like, cars. We'll go try this. And they were talking, they had a hole in the radiator. And um, we just kind of prayed for them. And there was like, now I was just like, and, you know, hole in the radiator, be gone. Or something. And, like, the husband there, he's like, it's not going to happen. He just got in the car and while the wife stood out there. And I was like, oh, he does not want to talk to us. And then she kind of wanted to get in the car, too. So it's kind of ended. That's good, though. Way to go, man. Yes. Awesome. Now, hey, let me ask you a question. Have you done this before? No. Will you do it again? Uh, yeah. It, felt, it was easy. Okay, a guy bent down and touched his toes that had not touched his toes or done dips, and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> dude, go for this. This is on you, man. <laughs> Way to go, dude. Way to go. Awesome. Can you stand up? I mean, I can. But yeah. It's all right. You can make me look short. It's okay. I can, I can deal with it. Yeah. Um, I think for, for me, when Andrew and I, there was another guy um, – Actually, there was a there was a, a lady with that. Man, that mic is just really close. I know it's okay. I promise, dude. Okay, Trust cool. me, I'm not going to hit right. you. I promise. Um, there was there was a lady who was who was also with that guy that we had prayed for, and um, it was the guy who was bending over and, and, and doing dips and stuff. And yeah, she uh, it was it was his wife, and um, I had actually got a word for her. Saw her playing basketball and stuff, and. Something had happened to her, but it was like dead on the money, and she was just like falling out in tears and just mm. like reconciliation. But I think for, for me, one of the things that was most powerful was um, just the grace I had, like mm. for the failures, because I was cool. like real timid prior to that. And uh, it's like I, I don't even remember the failures like afterwards. Yeah, you know? yeah. And like there was, there was this one time where there was this kid who had, I don't know, some kind of uh, – uh, he was just messed up, you know, he couldn't mm-hmm. walk barely. And, you know, there was so much happened. There was so much that happened to us today, this morning or this afternoon. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm pumped up and I, I see this kid. I'm just like, man, let's, let's go over there and pray for him. Cause we were actually getting ready to leave. Uh, and then we saw the kid come out and, you know, he just couldn't walk. Like, he was really messed up. And so, uh, we had went over, we had stopped the car and we went over there to him or to the, to the mother actually. And it was just like, yeah, can we, can we pray for you? How, you know, how can we pray for you today? And uh, she was just like, no, I don't, I don't want prayer. That's that's okay. And Andrew was just like, uh, what'd you say, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then like, and um, as we were pulling out, I was just like, I'm, I'm actually glad that um, I didn't have the opportunity to pray for that for that kid because my heart wasn't wasn't right. Like I was looking for the story because of everything that had happened. Mm. versus, you know, uh, just being moved with compassion. So mm. that was, yeah, that was, it was a hard check for me. So. Wow. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Give it up for him, man. Way to go. Awesome, bro. I love it. Way cool. Come over here. What's your name? Ruth. Ruth? Mm-hmm. Um, we went with Andrew, his group, um, to the university to go around. And one of them, I guess it was the second, the first girls we talked to, they just – wanted general prayer just mm-hmm. for family and stuff but um they were in a hurry but we also then we um it was one of his workers in the sack i think they call it that basically the um activities building she had a really bad 
It seems like you're getting closer. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Um, like she had just a bad, she was just feeling sick, coughing a lot, and just fluish. So we prayed for her a couple times, and she didn't exactly, she would, I think she was being a little nice. She said it went from a 10 to a 9. She's like, I felt tingles, but, <laughs> but then we gave her a word. Um, so I encouraged her, I guess, but then we kind of moved on because I think she was getting ready to do things. But cool. So it was a little bit of a failure, but kind of. At least she but felt But she was feeling better. tingling? Yeah. That's huge. That's like, you know, Holy Spirit on them. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Very cool. Way to go. Way to go, man. That's awesome. Hello, bro. Yeah. I uh, was with the same group. What's your name? Uh, I'm Britt. Britt. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were with the same group with Andrew. Uh, and the last person we prayed over, uh, first thing was she had an issue with the gallbladder. Uh, so we just began to pray over that. Um, and she was really touched by that, I could tell. Uh, and so then she had issues with, um, what else was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she uh, does a lot of traveling and that kind of thing. And so uh, we just uh, prayed that God would give her more, uh, mm. more grace in that um, for her work and that kind of thing. And then uh, the last thing, Ruth actually, uh, which is my wife, uh <laughs> got a word over, uh, and she saw her hands, uh, mm. and they were kind of like, on fire? Huh? Yeah, they were just beautiful, and God saw them as See, that, that's what guys see, on fire, whereas yeah, yeah. girls are like, oh, they're beautiful. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Let me ask you this. Who went out and absolutely nothing happened? Anybody go out and felt like absolutely nothing happened for those of you who went out? <laughs> you? Would you do it again, though? Absolutely. Why? Come up here. It's, it's uh, uh, Sarah, right? Is that right? I, I, yeah. I'm, that's miraculous that I can remember a name after only hearing it like one time. Well... Okay. I don't normally, I'm not good at talking to people. I get really nervous and just like don't want to talk to anyone. But I was like super yeah, but pumped. You're a cutie pie. You're like really, she's adorable. My gosh. Um, oh, well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm old, okay? Like, that's like. Anyway, so I was just like super pumped to like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk to people even though I'm going to feel super awkward. And so, like, I saw this one lady. And, like, we just got walking, and I was like, oh, I should pray for her. And then we walked by again, and I was like, I should, I should really do it. So then we're like, okay, let's do it. And so I, like, run up and asked her, and she didn't want us to pray for her. It was really awkward. Um, so she shot you down really hard. Yeah, she was like, I've already prayed today. And I, was like, <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> and uh, then, like, other people were just like, uh, you can pray just in general we don't really have anything and it was just awkward but but you do it again. but like i talked to them and i was like well i mean i made the effort mm-hmm. and maybe next time someone will get healed or something very good <laughs> that's called expectancy that's good and let me ask you so so that that's that's what makes you want to go do it again is that you just know that it's it's the possibility that it can happen right yeah because like i mean if i hadn't talked to them obviously nothing would happen Sure. But if I try to talk to them, then, like, maybe something will happen. 
Exactly. <laughs> Way to go. Good job. Good job. I, uh, I was, uh, I was uh, um, on a plane, and I was flying to, uh, to Russia, and um, my, uh, my uh, you, you have to understand, like, in, in my family, my wife is like this, like, just, she's, she's Wonder Woman, pretty much, for the most part. Is that okay for me to say? She's just incredible. Um, you know, she has six boys. If it was up to her, she'd have had ten, you know. Um, I was like, six is plenty. You know, let's just stop at six. But uh, she would have ten. She just, you know, she loves kids. She loves having kids. She loves all the whole part of it, their schedules and everything. And so, uh, but she she has, uh, she's she's not like a, uh, like when, whatever they're doing ministry stuff, she's not like a person who would like, you know, jump up and come running up front to pray for people and stuff like that. She's just, she loves working with children and things like that, and she's always involved in children's ministry. Well, one day she had gone, there was this couple that started coming to our church, and they weren't married. Uh, he was 20, the girl was 19, and she was pregnant with their third child at 19. Um, he was uh, a part of the Latin Kings, and he was, uh, he was actually from, um, from uh, Los Angeles, and he was on the run from Los Angeles because of some crimes he committed there, and so he was trying to get away from it. And so uh, he was—he uh, had come to Aurora, and they were giving him, you know, kind of helping him sort of uh, get on his feet in Aurora and, you know, dealing drugs and stuff like that. Uh, that's their idea of get on his feet. And so um, he was—he uh, was a crystal meth addict, and he started, but he started coming to the church. We have several drug addicts and even drug dealers that come to our church and things like that, and gang members. And he started coming to our church. And when he did, um, he, uh, he kept saying, you know, that he was, you know, that he wanted to, you know, clean up his act, that he wanted to get out of stuff. And so we've been praying with him. He tried to make some decisions along that line, but he, you know, he was, uh, he, we got him a job and all that, but he was still struggling with the drugs and things like that. So my wife, I was in Los Angeles. My wife had come down, uh, downtown uh, Aurora to uh, just there, there was a free activity in the downtown area. They lived in this place we call the Slum Towers, uh, and it's just this, you know, it's, it's, a, it's about a 14, 15-story uh, building in downtown Aurora, and uh, it's just low-income housing type of situation, and so they were living there. So my wife went to go show them that, hey, there's something you can do for free because he was saying, you know, if, if I'm not making good money dealing drugs, how am I going to, you know, survive and stuff like that, and so she, was, she went to go get him to take him down there. So she goes and knocks on the door of their apartment. The girl comes to the door, and she's got, you know, black eyes. She's got blood coming out of the side of her mouth. Her hair's all messed up. And her mom had sent her money for food uh, for her and the kids and for him. And he started fiending. He wanted to go buy drugs. And so she wouldn't tell him where the money was at because she hid it to buy food with. And so he beat her up until she told her where the money was at. Now, she's pregnant. She was at that time four, five months pregnant. And, um, and so my wife was like, well, you're coming home to stay with us. And so she's like, you know, get, get, you know I'm going to have the boys, my boys help get your stuff together. You're just going to come home and stay with us. And so she started putting the girl's stuff together, and my wife went and got a wash rag and cleaned up her face and, you know, helped fix her hair and all that stuff. And so um, while she was doing that, she was holding uh, their baby, and she goes, now come down. She goes, we're going to take, you know, my boys are going to help. We're going to take your stuff to our van, and we're just going to take you home with us. 
And so she went down, uh, they started going down the elevator. And um, across the street from the, from the apartment uh, building was the guy. And he had his hand against the telephone pole. And he was talking on the cell phone. And of course, he was, you know, trying to score some, uh, some crystal meth. And so, so my wife and the girl looks at her and the girl, my, my wife, and she starts crying. And she goes, don't approach him. You know, he straps and, you know, he w- he'll hurt you and don't approach him. Straps means he carries a gun. And she goes, don't approach him. You know, and she said, he'll be mad that you're taking us away. And, and so my wife says, well, don't you worry about it. I'll deal with him. And so my wife goes across the street and my kids and all of them are standing on the other side. She walks, she's holding his baby in one arm. You know, one of my boys has our baby. And she walks across the street, grabs him by the shoulder, spins him around, slaps the cell phone out of his hand. And she shakes her finger in his face and says, you listen to me. She goes, I am taking Sonia and the kids home with, with me. She goes, I will deal with you later. If you know what's good for you, you'll stay away. Do you understand me? And then she turned around and he just, he, you know, she slapped the cell phone and his hands were open and he was like, ha And he just stood there like frozen. And she walks across, back across the street, and she looks at Sonia. Sonia's jaw was dropped. She goes, I've never seen anybody talk like that to him ever in my entire life. And she goes, come on, get in the car. You're coming with me. And he just stayed there with his hands out the whole time. They walked to the car or in the van. They got in the van. She calls me on the way home. She goes, I just want you to know, I, just this, I had this you know, small altercation with Daniel. And she goes, but he's okay. She goes, and I want you to know what happened. She goes, I'm telling you, because when you come home, you know, we'll have to deal with this. And she goes, just so you know, this is what took place. This was like on a Saturday, or this was Friday evening. I was flying back Saturday night to be at church on Sunday morning. And so she goes, but I just want you to know what took place. But Sonia and the kids are coming home with it. Now, we already had two other kids living with us from somebody else's family because they were having trouble too. And I got six, you know, so now this makes (laughs) 10 kids in the house. So my wife is just in the zone, you know, because all these kids are everywhere. And then she's got this 19-year-old kid who's pregnant too, you know, on top of it. So anyway, so I come home. I fly home, and Saturday night she picks me up at the airport. We go back to the house, and, and, uh, and we come back home, and Sonia opens up to her story. We were praying for her and stuff. And so we go to the church uh, the next Sunday morning, and Carlos Lopez, our worship pastor, uh, he comes up to me, and he's like, his eyes are huge, his jaws dropped, and uh, he looks at me and he goes, dude, he goes, Daniel is up in your office. He's all jacked up. He goes, do you want me to come up there? And he goes, he wants to talk to you. And I said, no. I said, I'll, I'll go talk to him. I said, don't worry about it. And so, uh, so he goes, well, I don't, know, I don't know if he's on something or what, but he's, he's like, man, he is jacked up. And so I was like, okay. So I went up to the office, and when I walked in the door, he was sitting on the couch, and he was just like looking straight ahead. And when I walked in, he jumps up. And he walks right over to me, and he had his hat on and his shades on, but I could see his eyes. His eyes were massive. And he walks over to me, and he goes, is Angie here? And I looked at him, and I said, yeah. And I said, why? And he goes, dude, and he closes the door behind me. He goes, dude, he goes, I've been stabbed. I've been shot multiple times. He goes, I have never been so scared in my entire life as when she was waving that finger in my face. He said, I thought my heart would stop and I would die right in that moment. He goes, I've never been so scared in my life. He said, look at me. And he holds his hands up. His hands are shaking like this. He says, I've been like this for days. I can't eat. I can't sleep. He goes, I, t- I tried to take some drugs. He goes, it wouldn't work. None of it would work. He goes, what happened? What did she do to me? 
And I looked at him and I said, dude, I said, first of all, I know that finger very well. That finger and I are really up close and personal. I said, the second thing is, I said, she's a pastor in this church. I said, man, she put the fear of God on you. She released like God's holy. He goes, yeah, I've heard people say, I'll put the fear of God in you. I said, no, you don't understand. She released God's terror on your body. And I said, you have the fear of God on you right now. And he's like, I can't sleep because every time I close my eyes, I see that finger waving. And he goes, I'm dead serious. He goes, I can't eat. I can't sleep. He goes, how I'm supposed to go to work on Monday. How am I supposed to do this? I said, well, she's going to have to come up here. And he goes, in the room? I have to be in the room with her. And I said, yes. And I said, she's got to release you from this. So I go downstairs and I said, I said, honey, I said, you got to come up and pray for Daniel. I said, he's a wreck. I said, you need to lift this off of him because he's just, he's just all jacked up. And she looks at me and she goes, I'll think about it. And I'm like, what? And she goes, he beats her. He said, I am not having a man beat a woman in this church. I said, don't tell me, go tell him. I said, but come up here, talk to him, explain it to him. You know, I said, but you can't just leave him like this. And she's like, all right, you're right. So she comes upstairs and she walks in. And as soon as she walks in the room, he jumps up, he grabs his hat and he puts it over his heart. Like he's pledging to the flag or something, man. (laughs) It was the funniest thing. And she looks at him and she goes, take those stupid glasses off. And he like grabs them and throws them across the room. And she goes, now sit down. And he just plops right down on the couch. And she goes, you listen to me. She starts waving his finger. And he goes, oh, God, no. He's like waving his finger. You thought, I mean, you would have thought he had a shotgun in his face or something, you know. And so he's sitting there and she goes, she goes, I'll pray for you to lift the lift off. You've got to swear to me you will never hit her. He goes, I swear, I'll never lay another finger on her again. He's like, okay. So she sat down. She prays for him for this to lift. And the guy literally just passes out on the couch. I mean, instant peace just comes over him. He just rolls over to the side. His eyes goes, he slept through the whole first service at our church there on the couch. And then I had Carlos go get him up for the second service, you know, just so he could be in a service. But he was just out. You know, he'd been without sleep for two nights, you know. So uh, after the service, anyway, this is a long story. Let me shorten it up. Uh, after the service, we took, we took, she was living with us, and I told him, I said, you know, tell me what it was like dating her. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, when you would date her, you know, when you would court her, when you would, he's like, what, what does that mean? And I was, like, I was like, you've never dated her? And I said, like, take her to the movie, take her to food. And he goes, why would I want to take her to do that? He goes, me, you know, me and my homies, that's what we do. He goes, I don't take her to go do that stuff. And I said, well, you know, you obviously at some point you gave her flowers. You were talking sweet. And he goes, why would I want to do that? I looked at him. Oh, man, I was getting ticked. I was starting to get jacked myself. I looked at him. I said, you do not, you will not be allowed to see her again unless you come to my house with flowers in your hand. And I said, until you do that and you apologize and you beg for her forgiveness, I said, you, you will not see your wife or your kids again. Do you understand me? And so by the grace of God, he ends up coming, showing up at our door. It took him a full week. He, he, said, he said, I was more scared to do that than I was the first drug deal I've ever done in my life, to come and to do that. But we worked with him. Sometimes working with people like this, it's almost like working with people who've been raised by wolves. I mean, they have no concept of family. I'll jump to the chase, but it was really cool because um, my wife took her to go to get because they finally you know we we were uh, he had him live with somebody else but we finally did uh their wedding 
and their baptism on the same day. And it was really, listen to this. This is really cool. My wife took her to a prom store because we were trying to find a dress she could, like a pregnant wedding dress. And it was so hard to find, you know, something. She was a little tiny, little, you know, Mexican girl, so it was really kind of hard to find. And so finally, we, my wife took her to a prom store uh, to get her. You know, of course, they had no money. I mean, we were buying it ourselves. So they took, we took her to a prom store, and my wife was showing her, like, these off pink, off, you know, sort of yellow beige dresses. And the little girl, the girl looks at her, and she looks at my wife, and she goes, I know I don't deserve it, but could I please wear white at this wedding? And my wife was like, absolutely, you, of course, can wear white. You know, Jesus has, you know, turned things around. This is, you know, and it was just so powerful. I was a wreck through the wedding and the baptism. I was bawling like a baby through the whole thing. I couldn't talk the whole time. But in their family, both their families showed up. Neither one of them had ever seen a wedding. No one in the family, everybody had cohabitated. Nobody had been, had been married. So it's, it's amazing. Guys, again, you have more power and authority than you realize. There's authority that's there. But when it's ever for its, if it's ever for selfish gain or for self-promotion self, you know, or anything like that, you're not going to see it happen. It's going to be when it's outward focused, when it's for the purpose of bringing glory and honor to God. And so it, this is powerful. And let me, let, me, let me share with you something here. Take a look at this. We were talking about it, referring to it, but I want you to look in Luke chapter 10. Uh, really quick, if you would, turn there if you have your Bibles. If not, you can just listen to me read. But Luke chapter 10, it says this. Now, you guys know this. You've heard it time and time again. It says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs into all the places and towns that he had planned to visit. Now, notice this. He sends them. Look how benevolent God is. He sends them to all the places he wanted to go to. Instead, he sends them. All the cool stuff that he would get to go do, he sends them to go do it instead. That's the benevolence of our God. You know, he could just go do it himself. But in his kindness, in his benevolence, in his love, he lets them participate. He provides them an atmosphere to go and do it. That's just how gracious, how good, how benevolent. God is. He sends them out to go do it. Now, it says, and, and he says to them, these were his instructions. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord that is in charge of the harvest. Let me tell you something. Right here, this verse is the only prayer request Jesus ever makes. We see him praying for things all the time. We see him praying for the disciples. We see him praying for people. But this is the only prayer request that Jesus ever makes where he says, guys, I need you to pray for something. Right here. The only time you see that. He says, pray. to The, har- the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him for more workers. Wouldn't you like to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request? Wouldn't you like to meet the request of Jesus. Here he's saying we need more people. There just needs to be more people. There just needs to be more who go out. And he says, now go. Now go. He said, and remember, I am sending you out as powerful conquering warriors. I am sending you out as electricity charged 
conduits of my power and my extreme overwhelming reality of supernatural activity. I am sending you out for lightning bolts to shoot from your fingertips and for balls of fire to just blaze from your eyes. I am sending you out. Is that what it says? Why isn't this verse ever like on a bulletin cover at a church somewhere? He says, and now go and remember, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves to be devoured by the jaws of the wolves of this world. Their teeth to sink into your flesh and rip your muscles apart. Go have fun, guys. Enjoy it. This is the worst pep talk on the planet. Right here. This is absolutely the worst pep talk you could give anybody. Now go. I mean, can you imagine the sales talks? Like, Guys, you're going to be shut down. People are going to spit on you. They're going to hate you. People are going to throw you out and probably even beat you. Have fun. You know what? Take pictures. Bring them back so we can all see. This is a horrible pep talk. It's terrible. Oh, it gets worse. Look at this. Don't take any money with you nor a traveler's bag, nor any extra sandals. Leave your toothbrushes at home. Now, notice they're probably going out for like a week. They're going out for a long period of time. This is like a long stay. Leave all your stuff at home. You're absolutely in full dependency. This is horrible. I mean, now, but let's, let's be real. What's happening here? Jesus is doing what? You remember what we talked about earlier today with, with Elijah? He's digging a trench, and he's pouring water on it. He's turning up the risk factor. He's turning up the element of risk. What is that doing? Increasing the dependency, increasing the place of faith. It's even harder. Now, did anybody, did anybody here to get chewed up by the jaws of the world? Did anybody here come back with any wolf bites or anything like that? You know, I mean, I know this is Kentucky. It is a possibility. But anyway, <laughs> notice what happens is that, first of all, the biggest miracle from this horrible, horrible, horrible pep talk is these guys actually go out after this. That's the biggest miracle. You know, if in sending you out, we went out and we told you this, we read this to you at first, I mean, how many of you have just felt the warmth and encouragement to go? You know what I mean? But what is happening is Jesus is turning up the risk. He's turning up the level of dependency. God has got to show up. And so he says, don't take any money, don't take any sandals, don't take a traveler's back. And when you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those living there are people of peace, then the blessing will stand there. Now listen, it says, now in verse 9, and he goes through and he says, now heal the sick. Now he tells them, in part of this, he goes through all these tor- terrible things. You know, if people reject you, if they beat you, if you have blood, you know, shooting out your ears. and I, You know, but just keep loving them. This is a horrible pep talk. But then he says, go, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is now near you. And then he starts talking about if a town refuses you. Now it's not just a few people, it's a whole town that can refuse you. This is a horrible pep talk. But what is Jesus doing? He's turning up the risk. He's increasing the risk. Don't be afraid of the risk. Don't be afraid of the place where risk comes into it. And he says, and know this. And he says, and know that the kingdom of God is near you. And he says, and he's encouraging them with, with this. And he says, and then the disciples, 
He says, anyone who accepts your message is accepting me, and anyone who rejects your message, just remember, it's not you, it's me. They're rejecting me. And it says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. Now, it's interesting because Jesus didn't say anything about demons as they were going out. But they were shocked. Even the demons obeyed us as we used your name. Even the demons went to us. Even the demons, you know, ran from us. Now, in Luke 9, he tells them, I have given you authority over all demons. I remember we were praying one time when I was youth pastoring at a church, and we were just breaking the, you know, the power of the principality over the area, and we were, you know, we were praying and breaking. And, 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 and this one lady that was over the intercession, she goes, you stop praying that. That's too dangerous. You don't have that kind of authority. Bull. Loney, you do. <laughs> you do have that kind of authority. Don't let anybody tell you that. People look at you and go, do you realize how dangerous it is? Yes. Do you realize how dangerous I am? Yeah. I don't care if you're 14. Tell them that. You are a weapon of mass destruction when you're full of God's love. The love of Christ is a weapon of mass destruction. It just tears up Satan's counterfeit kingdom. When you go with the love of Christ... Don't let anybody back you down from any of that. If you're ever up against a demon, don't, don't, don't be afraid. Don't shrink back. You know, step in. Don't step up. You have authority over every demonic spirit. Now, if that person doesn't want it to go, that's a different story. Because they have a right to keep it there. And so keep that in mind. Ask them, do you want it to leave or do you not want it to leave? Anyway, let's get back to this. Lord, even the demons obeys us when you use your name. Look at what Jesus says in verse, uh, in verse 18. He says, yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, all my life, I wondered, is this a senior God moment for Jesus? Is he sort of flashing back to the beginning of time? And he's sort of going back and going, oh, yeah, I remember. You know, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Is that what he's saying? No, I believe Jesus is speaking in the moment. He's speaking in the moment right here. He says, look, I saw Satan fall from light, like lightning from heaven. And look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk on snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. That would have been really nice if he'd have told that to him in the first part of the chapter. Before the jaws of this life tearing them apart like wolves, Right? But you see, the risk was in something important that they had to calculate and to be willing to go no matter what. It was significant to it. And so when he looks at them and he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, what is he talking about? As you go out, you dethrone the enemy in this territory. You are thinning the layer of spiritual demonic resistance as you go out because you are stepping into the purpose that God created you for and that was to bring agents of change agents of restoration to take back that dominion rule to take back that place of authority on the planet when you step out you step back into who you really are and when that is taking place you are stripping hell of power You are stripping the demonic atmosphere of authority and power as you go. Worship does that. Going out and sharing Christ does that. It all works together. And you are thinning that spiritual principality layer. And you are dethroning the enemy in this area. 
Now, a few of you are stopping to go, I crashed and burned, and others are, I saw it only go a part of it. You know, and you're seeing it from that perspective. You know what heaven sees? Over Campbellsville, Kentucky, Jesus sees Satan fall like lightning from heaven because you went to do it. Because you stepped out. As you went out, as you approached the people at Walmart, as you approached the people at Kroger, as you stepped over to the girls at the campus, as you went to do that, you have stripped hell of power and you see lightning coming from heaven and it's Satan because you stepped out into who you really are. That's what you were meant to be. That's what God intended you to be. And don't settle for anything less. That's what God put inside of us. He made us to be ones who step out and we strip him of that power. When you share with somebody who doesn't realize the love of Christ, how much Jesus loves him, you strip him of power. It may look like a few people feeling awkward and going out and saying, hey, can I pray for you? But you know what I see? I see Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I see Satan dethroned in this area. You have toppled his throne. You have toppled his kingdom. You have sent him crashing down. And that's what you were meant to do. That's what you were born for. And until we step back into that, until we step back, nothing else is going to taste the same, feel the same. Let me tell you something. All of a sudden, mediocrity becomes just boring. Sort of the normal, just sort of the usual, just becomes tasteless. It ruins you. Trust me, I've been ruined by this. I remember stepping in. I started to tell the story earlier. I remember stepping onto a plane, and we were heading to Moscow. Man, I'm over time. Nobody gave me a time. I'm not looking that way again. I'm not looking. <laughs> we was going to fly into Moscow, and I had a 12-hour layover in Moscow. Bob Harper from Ventura Vineyard in California was supposed to meet me in Atlanta. We were going to fly a Delta together and go to Moscow. And at the last minute, there was a snowstorm in Atlanta. What does that happen, like every 10 years or something like that? Just so happened on the night before we were supposed to go. No flights. Now, people, of course, in Chicago know how to fly in snow, but obviously pilots in California don't. So they didn't fly into Atlanta. And so I had to fly there by myself. Well, my wife started, you know, getting a little bit nervous. And I've been to Moscow before. And we were having a 12-hour layover, so we could kind of tour around a little bit once we got there before we headed up to Siberia. And so I was, I was there, and, and, I, and I, was, I was packing to get ready to leave, and my wife was like, please do me a favor. F- you know, promise me you'll stay in the hotel. And I, or, excuse me, in the airport. And I said, what? And she goes, promise me you'll stay in the airport and you won't leave the airport. And I'm like, have you been to a Russian airport? You haven't seen what these airports are like. You have no idea. I said, you know, there's only one, like, good Russian airport in Moscow, and the rest of them are not that great. And I said, I'm going to stand in the airport. She goes, you take too many risks. This is a woman who slaps cell phones out of drug-dealing gangbangers. And she's telling me, I take too many risks. <laughs> really? And I was like, honey, come on. We both take risks. This is, where, this is the way we live. All life was a risk with us. And she looks at me, and I said, no, I am not staying in the airport. I'll just, you know, tour around myself. And she's like, she's like please stay in the airport. I was like, oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And so we get, uh, we, we get to Atlanta, fly, start flying, and it's really amazing because every time before I fly, I always pray, and I'm like, Lord, sit me wherever you want me. Just reseat me, put me wherever you want. You know, I'll, I'll go anywhere, just, you know, do that. And so because Bob wasn't flying with me, I had an open seat beside me. 
And so uh, we went to take off, and you know, uh, and, and then the flight attendant before that, she goes, Mr. Dawkins, would you, would you like to come over here? There's another section of seats and sit right here. And I was like, okay. And so I get up and I move over there to where the seat that she had offered me. And sitting across the aisle from me was this, excuse me, this Russian couple, really well-dressed. I mean, to the point where you're like, why are you sitting in coach? You know, I mean, it just didn't seem to fit right. And so uh, I, I, I was fly- we were flying there, and about two hours before we were starting to approach to Moscow, all of a sudden over the intercom came this call. They said, we have a medical emergency on the flight. And they said, we have uh, this uh, person who has a medical emergency. We need you to come. If there's a doctor on the flight, please come to the rear of the plane. And they said, no, push your call button. And so I'm listening for call buttons. Nobody pushes a call button. And so they, then they come over. They said, if there is an RN or an LPN or some sort of nurse, please push your call button. This is a medical emergency. We need somebody immediately. I'm listening. Nobody's pushing a call button. And then the next, they said, if there is an emergency medical technician or anybody you know, who has like emergency medical training, please push your call button. Nobody's pushing the call button. And finally, they said, if anybody with any medical training whatsoever, and I pushed my call button. <laughs> and so the flight attendant came in. She goes, do you have medical training? And I was like, sort of, kind of. And so she's like, come with me. She said, we're desperate. This is a crisis. Remember that from earlier today? These are the two ingredients to seeing the miraculous happen. And so I got up, and so we went to the back, and what had happened was this woman had eaten something, and her airway, she had an an allergic reaction, and her throat was closed up. And she had, her head was purple, and I mean, she was, her eyes were bugged, and she was leaning to the side like this, and she was going, and that was her trying to get air. I mean, it was bad. I mean, she looked like she's at death's door. You know, remember, we had all these intercom calls in between the stuff that had happened. And so the the flight attendant, she hands me a scalpel. They wanted somebody who could perform a tracheotomy on her. And I was like, I don't cut people, but uh, I can pray for her. And And the lady's like, pray for her? And I'm like, listen, I'm telling you, it works. I said, let me pray for her. God's gonna heal her. And she goes... We're desperate. This is, this is now the other flight attendant. This is a crisis. We need any, any help we can get. And so they went back to paging people. And so I put my hand on her throat. I began to command the swelling to go down. I began to command the airway to open up. I began to command the blood flow to you know, start normally. All these things. I'm praying. It, seemed, it was about a, a minute and a half. A minute and a half in a time like that feels like an hour and a half. You know what I mean? It's like you can hear the tick, tick, tick of each second. It was like... And I'm like, man, this lady. And then after about a minute and a half, all of a sudden the lady goes, <sighs> and she just leans over to the side. And her eyes are still open. I was like, okay, either she's dead or healed. Either way, she feels better. Either way, it's relief. She's got relief now. And then all of a sudden, the flight attendant says, look at her color. And her color starts coming back. And you could see, you know, just that she was starting to breathe. Her chest is starting to move. And I grabbed her hand and I said, never forget. Because I, in the prayer, I said, so that you'll know Jesus loves you, is pursuing you, wants a personal relationship with you. And then she was just, just leaning aside, completely exhausted. And she just gently squeezed my hand. And I knew she heard what I was saying. And so they were like, Mr. Dawkins, you've got to get back to your seat right now. We're about to land. So they walked me back. I sit down. And this Russian couple is looking at me. And the man looks at me and he goes, what did you do to that woman? 
And I looked at him and I said, oh, I said, the woman in the back? He goes, yes. I said, well, I prayed for her and I said, God healed her. She began to breathe. Her airways was closed up. He goes, I was watching this. I saw this. He goes, how do you do this? And I said, well, I prayed. I commanded and started explaining this to him. He goes, I saw this. I saw this. And he goes, what are you doing in Moscow? And I looked at him and I said, well, actually nothing for 12 hours. He goes, you will come home with me. And I said, okay. So we landed, and so he said, let me see your, he goes, let me see your ticket. And so he looks at my ticket, and he looks, he goes, let me see your passport. I show him my passport, and so he hands it back to me, and he goes, you'll come with us. I said, okay. So we get off the plane, and we, we go down, we go to pick up our luggage, or uh, we go to the uh, immigration first, and we, we're, we're there, no, luggage first. We go to the luggage, we pick up our luggage, and he says, he says, get your bags, he goes, bring them over here. And, and there was this, you know, this big, you know, line, of course, for the non-Russian Federation, you know, people kind of trying to come into the country. And then there was the Russian Federation citizens, and then this other line that was VIP. And so he says, he goes over to the VIP line. And I said, I, he, I said well, I'm going to go over here. When I get through, I'll meet you on the other side. He goes, no, 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 come with me. And I'm like, I can't go through that. I'm not a Russian citizen. I'm certainly not a VIP. And he goes, he goes, come with me. Everything will be fine. And he goes, just give me your passport. And I said, like, Okay. So I hand him my passport. He goes and he says something in Russian to this guy. The guy just looks up at me, stamps my passport, hands it back. I was like, that's the fastest I'd ever been through a Russian immigration situation. And he goes, he goes, you're fine. Come on, let's go. And so we go through. We didn't even go through customs. And so we go out. Uh, we, we, they didn't check our bags or nothing. So we go out. And so he says, he goes, we go to this. There's this right outside the door is this big fat SUV, you know, parked out there, brand spanking new. And it was a big Mercedes SUV. And he goes, he says, put, put your bags back here. He goes, Vladimir, his driver, he goes, he'll put the bags in. And I was like, well, let me help him put them in. He goes, he goes, no, Vladimir will do that. Just leave it for Vladimir. And I was like, okay. And so we get in the, we get in the car. And so I'm sitting in the back seat. And I'm like, there's like, everything is all leather. The seats are warm, you know. And then like, there was like these two holders, or three, actually, three holders of Russian vodka and these shot glasses there. And, and he was like, he's like, is this your first time in Russia? And I was like, no. And so he goes, listen, he goes, we will take you to my house. And he goes, and then he goes, I'm going to give you Vladimir for the day. He'll take you anywhere you want to go in all of Russia. He goes, it's on me. Just anywhere you want to go, anywhere you want to eat, anything you want to do, it's on me. And I was like, oh, Cool. And so we get to his house, though, and when we, pull, when we start to pull into his neighborhood, there was this security checkpoint at the neighborhood. And there are, on the back of these trucks, these big, huge guns on the back of these, like, Hummer-type trucks. And so I'm looking at this, and, I'm, I'm, and I mean, and the, the guards for the, for the, the, uh, for the neighborhood are, are the, is the Russian Federation Army. And I, like, I looked at him, and I said, are you Russian military? And he goes, no. And I said, really? And I said, is this a military base? And he goes, no. And I was like, oh, but these are Russian army. And he goes, yes. And I was like, okay. And everybody else is in this line. And he has this, he throws this plaque in the front of his car. And they just, they just tell us to come around. They let us through. We go back. We go a few miles back. And all of a sudden, there's this huge green wall, about 25 feet high. And it went for like a mile long. And I looked at him and I said, is that like a military base back there? And he goes, no. He goes, that's a residence. And I said, whose residence? And he looks at me and he goes, that's Vladimir Putin's house. And I was like, the v- Vladimir Putin? And he goes, yes. He goes, he lives right there. He goes, he's my neighbor. And I was like, what? 
And he goes, yeah. He goes, I live three doors down from him. Now, three doors down is like three estates down. You have to understand this is big driving, you know, that we're doing. And I was like, oh, you live next door to Vladimir Putin. That's interesting. That's crazy. And I looked at him. I said, so his name was Andre. I said, Andre, I said, what do you do? And he goes, this and that. And I was like, I'm sorry, what do you do? And he goes, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I just kind of chuckled and I said, oh, that's funny because I said, you know, I'm from Chicago and in Chicago that would mean like mafia, you know? And he goes, and I was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh, wow. And all of a sudden I'm hearing my voice of my wife, stay at the airport. And so we get to his house, we pull down his part, his garage is under his house. And we pull down and there's like Bentleys under his house. And there's like all these like real expensive cars. And I looked at him and I'm like, where's the killing room? You know, they're going to kill me down here. And so we get down and he says, come with me. He goes, leave your bags, just come with me because you're not going to need them anymore. And I was like, like forever? (laughs) Or just like, you know. And so we go inside the house and he goes, come with me. And he takes me up to the third floor. We go in an elevator up to the third floor. And so we're at the third floor and his office is there. And he comes, he, he says, come over here. And we go over there and he goes, call your wife, tell her you're fine. And I was like, and what? And I looked at him and I said, no, it's okay. I said, that's a real expensive phone call. He goes, I don't pay for these calls. Call your wife, tell her you're fine. And I was like, okay. You know, so I'm like, is there a ransom involved in this conversation or anything like that? And so I call my wife and I'm like, honey, you were right. You were right. Pray for me now. Pray for me now, you know. So we get done with the conversation. And so he says, come down, we'll eat some food. And so I was like, okay. And we go down and there's this massive dining room. And I mean, I mean, just incredible wealth, you know, this place. And, and they had this huge spread. They had every kind of meat imaginable on the table. No joke. There was fish. There was chicken. There was pork. There was beef. There was horse. There was moose. There was elk. I'm like. What else? You know, I mean, this was amazing. Just all this huge spread of food, all this stuff. And so we sit down and we sit down to eat. And he goes, he goes, listen, he goes, my next door neighbor, he goes, he's a former KGB uh, leader. And he says, he lives next door. And he says, he's, he's, he now has this restaurant uh, that he has here. And he says, he's actually the one to provide this food. He says, he's going to come over here. He says, his wife broke her ankle this morning. He goes, you're going to do that thing for her and she'll be better. And I'm like, Father, if there was ever a time, <laughs> you know, this is now that time, you know. And so, the, so she comes in, and so in, in, a few minutes later, the doorbell rings, and so we go to the door, and in comes in this, like, I don't know, she's probably about 20, 21-year-old girl coming in with crutches, and behind her, this guy that's probably in his late 60s. And I'm like, oh, I, I thought I misunderstood. This is his granddaughter. And I'm like, oh, it's good that you brought your granddaughter. We'll pray for you. He goes, this is my wife. And I was like, <laughs> wow. That was a big faux pas right there that I made. And so she comes in. And so I start praying for the ankle. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing is changing. Nothing is happening. My heart is beating. I'm sweating. And I'm like, oh, Lord. You know, and I pray like three, four times. Still 10, still 10. Then. And so the only thing that I noticed was that a little bit of swelling had gone down. That was it. But the pain was still there, all this. And so she goes, 
So Andre looks at me and he goes, he goes, take a break, give it up for now. He goes, come in here. He goes, let's, let's go out to the back and do some shooting. And I'm like, am I the target? You know, because I couldn't perform this thing here. And so we did. We go out and we're off his back porch. We're like shooting stuff. It was crazy. It was absolutely amazing. And so when we were done, all of a sudden we came back in and she's up and she starts to walk on it without her crutches. And we, I was like, are you feeling better? And she goes, yeah. She goes, a matter of fact, she goes, I could feel things moving when you were praying. And I was like, really? And I was like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know? And so as it went on, she progressed. It's a long story, but let me just finish with this. We were there, and then all of a sudden, he starts looking at me. And he goes, now, you want to go see the city. You want to go do things. He goes, let me let you go do this. He goes, just let me tell you. He goes, uh, he goes Vladimir will take you. And he goes, he's going to take you to the finest strip clubs in all of Moscow. And he goes, you can pick any woman you want. They're yours. And I looked at him. I said, Andre. I said, I'm a pastor. I said, I'm married. I told you this. And he goes, he said, no one will ever know. No one will ever know. And he goes, just go. It's okay. He goes, Vladimir will never tell. I will never tell. And I'm looking, here's this guy. You know, we're just praying for this woman moments before. And all of a sudden, I said, I can't do that. I said, that would break God's heart. I said, I can't break God's heart. I said, that's not God's plan for us. And I'm sharing this with him. And he's just looking at me like in amazement, you know, of of this. And so then I was afraid to leave the house at all after that. Because I was afraid he was thinking I would take him up on it and do it. And that, you know, Vladimir would just never tell. You know, and so I did, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here with you guys for their sake. I said, but there's one thing I would like for you to let me do. I'd like to pray for all your family just before I leave. And so it got towards the end of the evening and we prayed for the family. And man, all of a sudden his wife began to weep. His daughter began to weep as we were praying. They could feel God's presence. His wife came to me afterwards. She said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to us. She goes, we've never felt or experienced so much peace in our entire lives, as in these few hours that you were here in our home. And Andre came to me with tears in his eyes, not tears down his cheek, but just his eyes were watered up. And he looked at me and he goes, you are my friend forever. And he goes, we felt something here we've never felt. And he goes, we need this. And he goes, we really need this. And when we went to drive away, as, as they were staying there, Vladimir was taking me to the airport. As we went to drive away, they were standing on the porch, and Vladimir says, roll your window down. And I rolled it down. He says, you hear the song they're singing? And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's a song that here in Russia that we only sing to family members as they're departing and talking about seeing you again. He goes, I've never heard them sing that song. How did it start? On the airplane. It would have been so easy just to ignore. It would have been so easy just to say, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a, you know, I'm not an emergency medical technician. But guys, it started on the plane. Behind every door that God opens for you are thousands others. Thousands others. They're all connected. They all open up to so many more. And we stop and we think, but I'm so, listen, the very fear that you, fe- that you feel that would hold you back from doing it is not your fear. That is the enemy trying to make you feel afraid. That is the enemy trying to minister unbelief. It does not belong to you. Why? Because when you step out into this, he falls like lightning from heaven. He's dethroned. His terror, his nightmares. Are you guys going out and doing what you did this afternoon? 
Those are his night terrors. That's what strikes fear in the enemy, is you going out and actually believing you do. And when you hit failure, that you go back and you do it again. And that you do it again. And that you do it again. Remember, none of us have ever experienced the rejection for doing this that Jesus experienced. Have you been crucified? Have you been beaten? Has has flesh been ripped from your backs? Have you been to that place? We've never been experienced that. And yet all these guys that follow Jesus, all of them of John, suffer torturous, violent deaths, and they did it with joy. They did it with joy. Guys, take the small opportunities and watch what God opens up. Take the small opportunities and watch what God will just one door will lead to another and to another. It's what you guys were born for. You were born to strip hell of its victory. You were born to dethrone the enemy over this area. You were born to recapture that spark of the Cane Ridge revival. You were born for that. That doesn't happen by just happenstance that it takes place in worship on a Sunday morning. It happens out of a people that are hungry to see their Lord and their King reign in an area and to extend His kingdom with the love of Christ and to tear down hell's walls, to strip hell of its victory. It's what you were made for. Let that be your passion. Let that be your vision. Let that be what motivates you. So what? If there's fear, so what if there's risk There's anything worth doing has risk involved anything. Just choose. We're all willing to take a bullet for Jesus, right? How many of you would be willing to take a bullet for Jesus? We're all willing to do that. But are we willing to look foolish for him? Are we willing to be mocked for him? Are we willing to be laughed at for him? Press into it. This is who you were born to be. This is what you're made for. All right, let's stand. I'm sorry, this gets me a little jacked up and fired up. My Pentecostal roots just start shaking and quaking. (laughs) Man, when I look out over this room, I see what makes the devil sweat. It's you guys. And being willing to step out. Being willing to see his kingdom come. It's what you're made for. How many of you here are just saying, I would do that. But Robbie, I don't have the courage you have. I need courage. How many of you would, that's your thing. I need courage to do this. Raise your hand. You just took the first courageous step by admitting that. Now close your eyes, if you will. Just put your hands out. Here's the word of the Lord to you. In Joshua chapter 1, it's the same word that he spoke to Joshua. Take courage. Take it. Make it yours. You're not waiting for anything to be given to you. It's already been given. It was given at the cross. 
Now take courage. Possess it. Make it your new identity. It's your choice. Don't let unbelief lie to you and say that you are not courageous. Don't let it stop you. That is all the enemy. The fear you feel is not your fear. It is his fear of you stepping into who you really are. Take courage. See courage in your hand, in your mind's eye. And right now, just grip it. Say, this is who I am. I'm courageous. I'm bold. Wolves of this world won't keep me back. The isolation, the the rejection isn't going to hold me back from who I really am. Take it. Make it your identity. Holy Spirit. Father, I just release to every man, woman, child here just now an impartation of the fire that you have placed in us, of the fire to go, to step out, the willingness to look foolish, the willingness to pay the price, the willingness to be rejected, the willingness to even be beaten, the willingness to step into that true identity, the willingness to go because in doing so we see Satan fall like lightning from heaven we see him dethroned in the territory his layer of deception being stripped his hold being ripped from his clutches Holy Spirit come empower your people Let the fire of your spirit just ignite in us. Ruin us for the ordinary, the average. Ruin us for mediocrity. Fill us up, come. Let's just wait, let's receive from the Lord. Some of you, you've let fear rule. The Lord says, shake off fear. It's not yours. I haven't given you that. Fill us up. Co-workers being transformed. The most broken people in your circle of friends being on fire for Jesus Christ because you tell them, because you go 
of hope that brings a transformation. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. some of you that are just feeling just electricity or heat just in your hands, lift up your hands if you're feeling that right now. Lift them up high. Let me see them high. Right now. It's just moving down your arms, from your hands, down your arms, and just into your chest right there. That's the igniting of his presence in your life right there. More, Lord, right there. Release that manifest presence. Go deep. Increase on them. Increase in power. Come on. Fill them up. Fill them up. You can put your hands down just for a second. If you, if you're feeling the Holy Spirit on you right now, just like we said last night, heat, electricity, weight of His presence. If you're feeling that, just wherever in your body, lift your hands up right now. Let me see across the room. Now, keep your hands up just for a minute, guys. If you're here and you're not feeling that, you're not experiencing that, but you hunger for it so desperately, and you want that, I want you to step out and come down here right now. Come on, it's okay. There's just a hunger, there's just a desperation. I just got to have that. I'm not experiencing it, but I really want it really bad. Just step up, come up close. Get as close as you can. Step up over here, guys. Just step up right here. Now, for those of you that the Holy Spirit is on, that you just had your hands up, I want you to step up and step around these guys. You're the carriers. Now, come on. Step up close. If you stepped up here, step up really close. I want you guys just to come, and I want you just to surround these guys right here. Just if you're experiencing the Holy Spirit on you, he's just all over all over you. He's just, just pouring out more on you. Maybe you're crying, and you don't know why. Maybe you're just hearts racing. You don't know why. That's what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit is on you. Now, more, Lord. Increase right here. Turn it up. And just over these that are here, I want you to reach out and touch these guys up here who came up, and I want you to just give it away to them right now. Come, Holy Spirit, fill them. Fire, fire. Let's release this, that fresh fire of your spirit right now. Just begin to pray for them. You don't have to be so quiet. You don't have to whisper. You're not going to scare the Holy Spirit away. He's not timid or shaky or scared. Come, Holy Spirit, release to them. You may just even feel to call out fire for them. Just call it out right now. More, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. (sighs) Fill them up. Go deep right there. Fire of God's presence. Come, Holy Spirit. More, more, more. Pour it out. Pour it out. Just ignite them right now. Ignite it. If you're receiving prayer, don't pray. Just receive. Just be in a receiving position. Just receive from the Lord. Fill them up, Holy Spirit. Come, more. More, the Lord may give you a word for them. Speak it out over them. Just begin to pray for them and bless them. It's on you. As you pray, it's going to increase on you. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Philema be filled right there more go deep right there just igniter man the Holy Spirit's all over you more Lord more increase right there go deep go deep fill fill fire of your presence fire of your spirit just release it just deep inside of them right now more Lord come come fill them up fill them up go deep go deep Go deep, more Lord, fire, fire of your spirit. Fill, fill each part, more. Come, come Holy Spirit, just increase. Even those who are standing up here, Lord, who are, who are experiencing it, we just say more, Lord, just pour out more. Just on these children up here, Lord, just release just the fire of your spirit. Come Holy Spirit, come, just ignite them right there, deep, fire of God. Be filled right there, right there. Right now, come Holy Spirit, more, more, more. Just ignite him, ignite him right there. Fill him up, go deep, go deep, go deep. He's all over you. More, Lord, fill, fill, fill right now. If you're standing here and you're receiving prayer and you came up because you're desperate for it, raise your hands if you're receiving, if you're feeling it right now on you as we're praying. More, Lord, it's just for some of you, it's just all over you. Increase right now. Fill, fill. More, Lord. Fresh fire. Pour out, pour out. Go deep. More, Lord. More, more, more. Just ignite them. If you don't know how to pray, just say more. Just pour out more. More, Lord. If you're standing back and you want more of this, if you want this on you, that's and this. That's what the original call was for. Come up now. This the Lord is going to begin to increase us as we respond to it. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill up every part. Go deep. More, Lord. Make these hands hot. Healing anointing. Healing power. Fire right here. More, Lord. Come. 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 Fill. Fill. Go deep. Go deep. More, Lord. Increase. Increase. Fill them up. Now, those up here that you, you want, just what, what we were hearing about with the story before, what Chase was talking, you're here and you just want this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Raise your hand. If you are here and you want that, just lift up your hands right now. Now, just ask the Lord to come and fill you with it. Ask him to come and pour it out on you. Right now, Father, we just say, baptize everyone who wants it with fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire fall right here, right now. And ignite these who are hungry for it. Let the fire of God's presence be poured out on us. And as you're, as you're experiencing that, begin to speak out. Begin to release. I give you permission right now to speak in tongues. God does not lie. And if he says he'll give you something, he will. Just begin to release those tongues right now. Just begin to speak out of that overflow of what that experience God has given you. Right there. Ignite them. For some of you, you may even feel like you're making it up. Don't worry about that. You can't get this wrong. It's spirit to spirit communication. Fire of your spirit. Keep it up. Keep it going. More, Lord. Fill every part. Every part. Be filled right now. More, Lord. More. Fill. 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 Just ignite them right now with the fire of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. More. More.
give it to them. Release it on them. God's going to begin to increase it as we do. More, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Fill. Right there. Go. More, Lord. More. If you feel like you have any words or anything for everybody, speak it out. Come, come over here. Fill. Fill. Go deep. Go deep. Yes, Lord. More, Lord. More, more, more. Lord, ruin us with your presence. Just ruin us for the average right now. Just ignite just that flame of the fire of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. More. Thanks, Lord. Yeah, we're standing in revival moment right now. Uh, the Lord just a minute ago spoke to me. This is, this is Evan Roberts' time. <laughs> so right now, Father, we release, we release revival heart. Father, we release Evan Roberts' fire. Father, we release the fire of Cane Ridge back into Kentucky. God, we release the fire of the Azusa Street revival back into Kentucky. We release the fire of William Seymour back into Kentucky. Great revivalists. Great revivalists. There's 200 great revivalists in the room. 200 great revivalists in the room. In the heart of Kentucky beats the love of the God. There's a prophetic proclamation going out right now that in the heart of Kentucky beats the heart of God. In the heart of Kentucky beats the love of God. Let that fall on you. From the heart of Kentucky beats the love of God. 200 revivalists in a room together. There's a tribe of revival. Father says this is a revival tribe. <laughs> oh. Right now the right now an anointing to preach is falling on people who never considered it. Right now the anointing to preach is falling on people who were actually afraid they might get it one day. There's actually people in the room who said, God, I'll do anything for you. I just don't want to preach. And it's the revival fire and an anointing to preach is falling on you. If you've ever said to the Lord, I'll do anything for you. I just don't want to preach. Put your hand up if that's you. Yeah. Fire. He's called you to preach. He's given you an anointing to preach. We break the stigma of being a preacher off of you right now. And we release the joy of spreading good news. It's an easy job. It's just good news all the time. Whoa.
knowledge for healing that God is giving you right now. And what I want you to do is just speak out whatever the Lord is showing you. If it's an ankle or a knee, just, just shout it out right now. Just one at a time. Shout out what you're, what's coming to mind. For some of you, you may never have done this before. You're scared to do that. But if that's you, if you're feeling that, just speak it out real quick right now. Right hip. Anybody with a problem with the right hip, keep praying. Keep blessing these guys. Don't give up on that. Any problem with the right hip, raise your hand straight up. Right hip. Right back there. Who had that word? The lady's right behind you, back there. Keep your hand up if you had the problem with the right hip. Right back there. Pray for her. Anybody else? Just call that out, and then if if that's you, raise your hand. Left knee. Who has a problem with the left knee? Right here? Come and pray for them. This healing is being released in the room right now. Also, God is releasing the glory. And typically for the us in our meetings, that can come as gold dust. It can come as a manifestation of that. We don't pray for that or ask for that. But just the Lord shows it and shows up on it. And so just for some of you, just put your hands out right now. If you want to receive just the uh, Holy Spirit, we just call just for the manifestation of your glory in this place. Take us deep into the glory of your presence right here. Lord, it's here. And we just call just for the release of the best of what you have. The best of what you have. As you go on in the evening, even check your hands. Even check, uh, we had a lady in Boston that had gold all over her face. By the time it was done, we just bless them with that in the name of Jesus. Any more words of knowledge about stuff? Hey, if you, if, if you, if that word Every I gave part, a minute ago was for you, you said, Lord, I'll do anything. I don't want to preach. And the Lord's calling Lord, you into preaching. I want you to come right over here. I want to lay hands on you right now. Okay. Right over here on the left. Come on over.